Hey, Ryan. Yes, Ed. I'd like to take this time to apologize, if that's all right. Apologize about what? Well, last week, last year, last episode, I said some things about a beloved game that I think people might take offense to. You know, that game being Undertale, which is a really, you know, community-loved game that's really good. It has good music, has really shitty characters that everybody just fucking loves for some retarded-ass reason. has terrible level design. The game looks like shit, and everybody praises it for looking like shit. I just want to apologize because I hated that game. And I feel like that was really unfair of me to hate a masterpiece that could just rip off other games and everybody could just call it original and, you know, just have a really bad sense of humor and not be funny at all. And that just wasn't right of me. So I just like to formally apologize about hating on Undertale, which is just a fucking fantastic game. Let's talk about porn. I can't believe Kotaku did this kind of funny but they took something from us what they took something that we do and they made it like kotaku has a the overwatch heroes ranked according to pornhub searches huh oh wow well who's the top i'll, I'll save it for when we talk about it uh, and she's the top by a lot and it's not that surprising you should uh, be able to guess it it's a diva no really it's it's the poster child of the game tracer yeah Fucking tasteless scrubs. <laughs> Look, guys, I'm looking at video game porn. <laughs> I'm funny too, right? <laughs> oh wow, they even have the they have everybody. They even have the male characters in here. <laughs> Shit. Okay, I want, who's the highest ranking male character? Lucio. Holy shit, Lucio is the most popular male. The black guy. <laughs> the <Yeah>. black guy. <laughs> That's funny. Who the fuck is Athena? Athena is Winston's AI system, who serves as the one that announces events and objectives. There's porn for a voice? What? Okay, that's weird. No, it's not. That's totally normal. Okay. For the internet. I, 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 yeah, you're right. Okay, so uh, number two is D.Va. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. But, but it's a huge, huge difference between... it's. What? Okay, two, can I... 2.4 what is, million to 1.5 million. Like, I get why people like Tracer as a character. Like, I, I think I, Tracer I just has more exposure. Like, yeah, I know. I, legit, I legitimately think that's the reason why Tracer has more exposure. She is the the poster child for the fucking game. Her and Winston and like Reaper are like fucking everywhere for the advertisements for this game. You know what it also is? It's probably because of the whole scandal with you know her original oh, image. Uh, yeah, her. Butt. It might just yeah. be sort of like revenge porn in a way. No, it's, I mean, when I accidentally stumble upon those funny images online, a ton of it is anal. <laughs> it's also probably because she's a lesbian. So. Well, now she's a lesbian, so... Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of shit in Tracer's wheelhouse that kind of makes it... But, you know, according to the funny images I see online of this stuff, all the, you know, Overwatch women are all bisexual, so... Well, yeah. I don't know, like, why even bother to make that canon that that's, know, right. that's just, like, pandering, but... And okay, Diva's who's the... robosexual. Uh, third is Mercy, which kind of makes sense because... Uh... Two, yeah. two two white chicks and then the Korean chick. That's like I can see that. That's really milk toast. I think. You know, I, I don't know why I was gonna say, I was gonna guess it was gonna be Mai because I've seen a lot of work with her and she's surprisingly like. Yeah, Mai's pretty in, in the game. You wouldn't suspect that, but then when you see the artwork people make of her, I think Mai has really like prolific hardcore fans, but just the general appeal of her isn't that high. Number four is Widowmaker. Yeah. Uh, Five is Sombra, which is pretty cool because Sombra is the newest character in the game. I'm actually uh, surprised. She's that, the, wait, uh, is she the mother. So no, that's Anna. Oh, 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Is a cyber tech Mexican punk chick. Okay. She has the like fucking the super popular haircut to give your fight the establishment punk chick. Gothy hacker. The, the, the fucking like comb yeah. over with like the braided. Yeah. 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 Millennial hacker type. Right. Actually, I'll just show you yeah. a fucking picture of the character. I don't know why I'm describing her to her. How many new characters? So I've added three new characters. Because... Oh, Sombra and uh, Anna. Anya. Okay, yeah. I know about her. I'm going to derail this porn discussion to talk about Sombra a little bit. All the original characters, uh, yeah. including Anna, I really liked their character design. I thought they did a really good job with their character design. I feel like Blizzard mailed it in with Sombra. Yeah. They're like, how can we make a super cliche Fight the establishment hacker chick. Oh, we'll just make her look like a modern day punk rocker that fucking everybody looks like. Give her dyed hair and give her a bunch of like Tron like inspired shit. They look that like they like just the, they ripped that antagonist from Human Revolution. Yeah, or pretty much just any it, cyberpunk. Right. Like it's I, I like the so color scheme. In. I guess she doesn't look that even bad, the color scheme like, is like hacker. Co- I mean, black yeah, I know purple, it's generic. It's really generic. It's I'm, so her character design is really it, fucking generic. Yeah. I guess I pictured it a lot worse in my head when you were describing it. But yeah, yeah, it's just another one of those characters. Right. It has to be in every single thing ever made now. Pretty much. Okay, uh, number six is Mai. Um, to establish the difference between sixth place with Mai, she only got 300,000, while Tracer is at 2.4 million. So there is a huge, like, Tracer has a huge lead over everybody. It's ridiculous. Wait, so is this top searched results or just... Top search results okay. on Pornhub. So mo- most Pornhub. people go looking for porn of her. Yeah, of Tracer. Okay. When they look for Overwatch characters. Number seven, who I think is either my or number seven, which is Farah, are probably my favorite when they come to, like, you know, sexual appeal. Did you and say, all that. Wait, what number did you say Farah was? Seven. I'm, that's surprising. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really like the toned. Especially you know, now that her mom is in it, I kind of expected to see some. Yeah, number eight is her mom, Anna. Okay, okay, so they're both at the same bar. That's that yeah, that I expected. Both, I just right. didn't think they'd be that far down. There's a huge gap there too. Uh, Farah has two hundred and thirteen thousand. Anna has one hundred eighteen thousand. So Farah almost has twice as much as her mom, which probably makes her mom proud. Yeah. Uh, number nine. This now this is like the even Anna had one hundred eighteen thousand. Symmetra has thirty two thousand. So three a third of what Anna had is what Symmetra gets. She's the uh, Indian tech chick yeah i was number 10 yeah. is the first man with uh lucio who i i dig lucio i think he's cool what i just find it interesting that it's lucio for as milk toast as number one is for girls i was kind of expecting number one to be super just like mccree or something somebody super basic i'm not i don't care at all about the male results um, but if you want to read them go ahead i just don't care no i'm not going to read them i'm okay. just going to point out uh, number 15, this puts him above Hanzo, Soldier 76, Winston, Reinhardt, and Bastion. Okay, this right. is... Ba- Bastion, the robot? Bastion, Bastion's dead... Ro- yeah, he's dead last. Oh, okay, he's dead last. Okay, I thought yeah. you, I had a bad No, I'm, I'm thought... skipping over, like, 10 through 14. 15? Yeah. Okay, we got... 15 is Roadhog. The... The big, giant Australian guy. Okay. Looks like a pig. He's ahead of Hanzo, Soldier 76... Well, people like Winston, Reinhardt, and Bastion. You can't really list out the motivations for why people would search these characters. I mean... I, all we can do is speculate. Uh, I would assume I, people search him because they just like monster porn. You know, that's that's a good point. I was thinking it's because they're fat, ugly slobs, and they like seeing fat, ugly slobs have sex. 
I've noticed oh, yeah. that a lot in like different kinds of pornography where it's like the dude is either like a skinny scene looking guy or he's like a jacked dude or he's like a fat slob. Yeah. And like those are the three types. And whenever I see the fat slob, I'm like, is this supposed to appeal to like me because I'm a fat slob? Yes. I don't. I, is this, I, I, this is supposed to make me feel like it's supposed oh, to enhance a fantasy and be like, oh, if this. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so this is how we're kicking off 2017. We're yeah. discussing overwatch porn. Welcome yeah, to I, our I podcast. I to do it a lot more formal, but that actually was already great. I'm going to one-up you, though, big time in a few minutes. Yep. But, right. but first, before I get to that, let me just promptly say, welcome to the Explosion of Happiness, episode number 61. It's January 11th, 2017, and it's the first episode of a new year. It's time to talk about video games and revel in degenerate happiness. I am your host, Ryan. And I am your other host, Andrew. And in this weekly podcast, we take off our pants. Oh, God. And this weekly podcast. Uh, you what now? Uh, I screwed it up. Pants. I, I was I was trying to do something to Gorilla Radio, but I messed it up already. Gorilla Radio. Like uh, the song? Yeah. I was Radio. going to say Pants Off. Podcast turned that shit up. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like that. So let me try that again. Yeah. And in this weekly co- podcast, we Pants Off. God, if I, if I say podcast, then... <sighs> Fuck, that doesn't sound good it's when you say it out loud. What? Duvalism. Duvalism. No, I'm saying I don't want to say podcast pants off podcast. It's too repetitive. And this, okay, and this weekly, and this weekly show, there we go. That was, sorry, I'm overthinking this. In this weekly show, we pants off. <laughs> God damn it. Now I can't. And the fact that there's yeah, a dog barking in the background. Just I know. That, that's, yeah. that's the big dog. The little dog sleeps upstairs with me. The little dog, because she's like super old. And we don't want her pissing and shitting everywhere. Hmm. Being unsupervised. Big dog can be unsupervised. He's cool, though. And in this weekly show, we pants off. I Why can't I just say the word podcast? What's Ryan? Why can't I do this shit? I've been doing this shit for a year. Why do we still get these dumb hang-ups? Maybe you should write it down and read it. I, I'm. That's literally what I'm doing. I've got my intro written down that I use every week. I just kind of, you know, yeah. change it up a little bit. And in this weekly podcast, we pants off. Explosion podcast? Does that sound better? Or just podcast? Why am I overthinking this? Uh, I, why don't you just follow your heart and say what immediately comes to you? And okay. I'm going to go with that. And, and if it's this just weekly... a bunch of babble, then we'll go with it anyway. So. <laughs> That's what it's been so far. Yeah. This weekly show, we pants off. Explosion podcast. Turn that shit up. Yay. I did it. Fuck yeah. Lights out. Gorilla Radio. Turn that shit Turn up. Turn that shit up. Rage Against the Machine might be the best band ever. That's stretching it, but they're a really good band. Very iconic. I wish they had more albums before they kind of just disappeared. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think they inspired a lot of bands that have been around way longer than them. None that I can name, because I don't know my music artists that well, but yeah. whatever. What's in my wheelhouse, they're probably the best band. Because everybody knows Michael Jackson's the best music there is, period. I really have no wit when it comes to uh, musical artist discussions, so. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. No. All okay. right. So, uh, <clears throat> before we kick this shit off, do you want to talk about anything regarding the new year? Regarding the new year. Uh, did you ever decide on that question I asked yes, you? Yes, I did, actually. All right. All right. Uh, let's, wait, before you do that, let me revise. What I asked was if there are one or two or three games, just to, what what games would you want me to prioritize and play if you could choose from anything from any point in history? And mm-hmm. the two I gave you was Hitman Blood Money and Metroid Prime. 
And I would like to add Lisa the Painful to the list too, but right. uh, those three, any of them in any order, just at some point. So what right. are yours for mine? I or have three. Um, I feel kind of bad because one of mine you'll probably have to pay for, maybe, okay. unless you're creative. But number one, definitely. I recommend you play this above all else. Super Nintendo game. Uh, you've been talking about why I play JRPGs for a while. Highly recommend Chrono Trigger. I think Chrono Trigger is the best first-timer game if you want to get into JRPGs. It's an amazing JRPG. It's very simple. Uh, the art style is done by Akira Toriyama, so it looks really appealing. I mean, it has a great great aesthetic, good music. And it's short. Most JRPGs are known for their length. Uh, you can do everything in Chrono Trigger and beat the game one time in about 15 hours. So the investment to beat, it's not nearly as bad as other games. My number two is I was really racking my brain on this because you've played the original Deus Ex, which I highly recommend. And you've played like a lot of the best games that I could think of. And I'd finally settled on a game that I love dishonored. Dishonored is a great fucking game. Uh, It's a more recent game. So you'll probably have to maybe obtain that legally unless I mean, we don't want to talk about it here. Oh, you have it. You own it. It's on steam. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Oh yeah. I just show you that on. Yeah. If you haven't played it yet. um, Yeah. Fucking play it. It's, can it do. is a great game. Uh, I put in 30 hours, so it's a little bit longer than Chrono Trigger. Uh, my number three is since you beat uh, Super Metroid, which is like the icon for the uh, Metroid 2D platformers, I would like to recommend to you the icon for the Castlevania 2D platformers, uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It is uh, It's also really, like, it's a classic to me. All right. I wrote all three. These are three very good suggestions that I yeah. will definitely attempt to play all of them. Um, I, uh, I think with the first two, you should definitely be able to clear those yeah. pretty super easily. The third one, um, it's a little bit different. It has more JRPG elements. It actually has a little bit of uh, Street Fighter elements. Into I feel it like Castlevania was always one of the many series in the back of my mind that someday maybe I'll just pick the series up and just start playing through all the games. I might start earlier. I know people, you know, have mixed opinions about Simon's Quest, but I was always curious about that one and really all of them. Simon's like, Quest is... I think the adventure of Link and Simon's Quest get a bad rep because they came out in a time when guides weren't really handy, and those games are, like, so non-transparent that you kind of really need a guide to play them and dig through their bullshit, and especially with uh, Zelda 2. It has the bull crap where if you get a game over, you start all the way back over at the beginning of the game. Mm. But if you take away their really big flaws, they're both still pretty good games deep down. I've always been drawn to the games that have really split opinions within their own communities, like games that are really controversial because they did something that, you know, divided everyone. I'm always right. like, I always find them interesting and I want to play them and kind of have my own opinion. But yeah, yeah I, I've like, been thinking I, about playing Simon's Quest as well. Like Castlevania as a series, that's not, I'm not saying I'd sit down and play it hardcore, like no guides, no save states or anything. Like, I'm saying I pretty much tour the games and just see them through. And if I really liked them, then I'd probably sit down and try to play through them for real. But right. for like Symphony of the Night, that would be the one that I would actually sit down. You know, I mean, remember when it comes to Castlevania, though, there's like three specific types. There's the 2D action platformer. Yeah. Action's kind of the wrong word to use for some of the games, especially the first one, but... It's the traditional style, you know, one, stage one, stage two, stage three. Then you got Symphony of the Night, the Metroidvanias. Some of the, which in my opinion, are really fucking good. Most of the Castle or Metroidvanias are really good games. Uh, the two for the DS. 
what are they called? Dawn of Sorrow. And I can't remember the other one. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what they're called. Those are also really good. Yeah, weren't those uh, the last literary. really good Castlevanias? No, Order of Escalea and Portrait of... I, I, I'm sorry if I said that word. I probably said that word wrong. That's not the word. The Order of Eshela or whatever. And uh, Portrait of Ruin. They're both really good as well. Okay. Just, were those like the last good things? I Konami think those ever put out were then? the last good Metroidvanias. Well, I meant were those the last few good things that Konami ever did? Because probably, I mean, unless you want to count Metal Gear Solid Five, which I don't. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of do, and I kind of don't. Yeah, Order of Essel. Oh, oh my god! I'm actually looking at this word now, and I totally can't say it. Ecclesia. Celestia, whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's it. Came out in 2008, and that's like the last Metroidvania. That was eight. And years it was ago. good. Actually, yeah. it was longer than eight years ago. That was like yeah. nine years ago. Was it? Yeah. yeah this was, was a while ago. And it was really good. I really liked it. Okay. Uh, then there's the three Lord of Shadow games, which those are the 3D ones. And I have no interest in playing those. I I I, I mean played... I would play it for Patrick Stewart in the first one, but that's the only thing that I right. was drawn by those games. They just I like played, really shitty gotta wear clones. I played Lament of Innocence for the PlayStation 2, and it was okay. But I don't think there's been a real, really good uh, 3D Castlevania game, personally. I say not that even not the 64 the- one. I played the 64 one. That was a great game. That was my introduction to the series. In fact, that's the only game I've played. Castlevania is a great series. I sure not actually no. I only played like I played the beginning of Castlevania 64 over and over, and I never got past the beginning. I don't have any good Castlevania on my track history that's a shame actually i've heard lords of shadow is pretty good the first one with patrick stewart but the first one is okay yeah the second one sounded like shit the second one is what this what's funny is the second one isn't lords of shadow 2 that's the third one yeah i know there was there was like the ps one or something or the ds i can't remember 3ds 3ds yeah yeah but then it also had a 360 and playstation 3 release oh so okay well, okay, well, enough Castlevania. I tried playing Chrono Trigger. I've always wanted to play Chrono Trigger, and I made an attempt back when I had an R4 for my original DS. I tried emulating it, and I think there was just something wrong with the ROM I was playing because once you got to the end of the carnival part, the game would, like, freeze up or not let me progress or something, and I just don't think I ever went back and tried playing it again. I've heard a lot of people say Chrono Trigger is one of the best games ever or their personal favorite game of all time, so I know it has to be good. Yeah, it's... um. It doesn't disappoint. And, uh, yeah, Dishonored is something that is, like, I figure sooner or later I will eventually play it, even if it's by the time Dishonored 3 comes out, if that ever happens, but I know it's... Yeah, I really hope... I just... I'd love for them to fix Dishonored 2, because I'm I'm really scared of dropping 50 bucks, I think it is, on a goddamn broken game that won't run... I mean, I could always buy it and then just do the return, I guess, but I'd rather just wait until it runs. I'm going to get this started where I, like, intended to actually start it. All right, let's do it. I was going to bring up Battlefront, but let's hold off on that for a second. I, uh, even more so, I want to real quick say that I played a very significant game last month. Actually, while we were recording the last two podcasts, I was playing this. I just never brought it up because I didn't want to until I hit, like, a significant milestone in it. I have officially played through and beaten Shadow of the Colossus. And, Congratulations. Um, That's the game I was going to recommend to you, and then you started yeah. playing it anyway. So yeah, it's um, I know number, we- almost number one. Like this, this is going to be kind of a throwback episode because this is, you know, we're going to talk about Battlefront in this. And these were like two of the very first games we ever talked about on our first podcast. But anyway, 
Before we say anything else about Shadow of the Colossus, I just want to get this off my conscience, and this is what I meant before when I said I'm going to make this even more degenerate and one-up you and how you started this episode. I was jokingly thinking to myself while I was playing through it, you know, you think you're playing as this guy trying to save his girl, but the reality is the love relationship is actually between the horse and the girl, and you're just kind of working for the horse (laughs) because you love the horse. And then I started thinking, well, you know, actually, it's more like a love triangle. It's all three of them. Because the horse was such a character in that game. Aggro was such a memorable part to it. So you, much that, like... Aggro is the only character in that game that has a name. The other characters have names, they just never bring up in the game. But if you read their, like, wiki articles about the game, then, yes, they have, like, extensive lore about... who The main well, character's name is Wander. I, th- I, oh, I, I thought don't, that was just his title. No, his name is Wander. No. Well, maybe it is I thought, his title. I thought his, I thought his it title named, was Wander. It, it named, no, it's Wander. Just Wander. At huh. least that's what I read. I don't remember the girl's name. But um, Mono. That's, yeah, that's right, Mono. Yeah, Mono. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I was just thinking the whole time. I was like, yeah, that would be so funny if it was uh, between the girl and the horse. Ha ha, I'm so funny. And massive, massive, massive spoilers for those who have not played Shadows of the Colossus and if you haven't skipped the next couple minutes of this. Not, no, if you haven't, turn, the, turn this podcast off and go play Shadow of the Colossus. When Wander, the main character, gets sucked into that light and just seemingly dies in that moment, when she wakes up, and kind of looks around and wanders basically dead. And then the horse comes limping up and then she starts caressing the horse. And then the game cuts to credits. I was just, it's like, yep. Donkey show right there behind the scenes. <laughs> this is officially headcanon and it's never going away. And I look forward to every drunk conversation about video games I have with anybody in the future. Cause I'm going to bring this up and be like, do you remember the most progressive game ever made? <laughs> It was the one about a three-way triangle relationship between a boy, a girl, and a horse. Well, as the credits are scrolling, and then it, it cuts back, and then you see the scene continue to play out. And the main character is implied to be reincarnated as an infant. And then his, in quotes, lover essentially picks him up and walks off to raise him. I'm thinking, well, now it's bestiality, incest, and eventually probably Shotokan all in one ending. <laughs> and yeah so it's like i said i like i'm sorry that if anyone else, i've just ruined this ending to anyone who like really loved it but that's uh, all i could think well dude she's gonna be just like hanging out there when she's probably get like really horny i, I mean the baby's that's, a baby like, you know look i, I know i know she's horse. probably gonna love the child like it's her own but at the same time like that was so subjective you don't really know maybe they didn't even know each other and he just really loved her you and tried do. to save her but you know, you know it, I, I largest, assume what you do know one of the largest fan theories about that ending and how it relates to eco, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't have to. I just do. I mean, joking aside, that ending was actually awesome because it plugged into eco in a way I was not expecting. Right. Like, I do. I knew the games were in the same universe. I knew Shadow of the Colossus took place before eco, but I did not expect any sort of really explicit tie into those games. And when the main character is reincarnated as what I assumed was the very first boy with the devil horns. It just blew my fucking mind. I was like, holy shit. That's kind of like the genesis, the origins of what eventually started happening in Eco later. And, you know, they left it completely open to kind of fill in the blanks yourself, but I love that ending. It's really good. For those that don't know exactly what we're talking about, it's a huge major theory that has a lot of evidence to back it up in the game that the end of Shadow of Colossus leads into Eco by uh, Wander being turned into a baby and gaining horns, and he becomes basically the forefather of the horned child tribe. 
and then uh, you said her name was Mono. Yeah, the princess becomes like an ageless being, and she's the Shadow Queen from Eco. That's definitely where I kind of draw a line and say I don't know, but that's an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that they left it open enough to allow these theories. I was not expecting an ending like that to tie into Eco so clearly. I thought he was going to go as far as, oh, well, in this part of the game, in this section of the world, you see some writing on a wall that's similar to the writing of this in Eco, so maybe, you know, it's some reference to a thing that we're never going to be able to figure out anyway. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was just going to come right out and be like, yep, this is like the prequel to Eco, basically. Yeah, and um, I appreciated it myself, so. Yeah, as for the game itself, um, I mean, I guess I've kind of, you know, my joke has made its run, but seriously, though, I am always going to bring that up. Whenever this game is brought up, I'm going to always talk about how a woman loved a horse and her own son, husband, boyfriend thing. Anyway, I searched Shadow Colossus porn just to see if any other sick fucks out there kind of made these same connections. (laughs) No one has. There's absolutely none. The the best I found was someone made all the monsters from Shadow of the Colossus into like anime girls. Okay, that's good. Doing like pornographic things, but that's as far as that went. I didn't even see like any fan fiction. I came across several shitty Tumblr blogs talking about how they will never draw Shadow of the Colossus porn because that game touched you on such an emotional level. It's like, uh, come on. That game is just asking for degenerate bullshit to be made for it. Joking aside, though, though, the game is really good. I would say if it wasn't for just like two, maybe three of the boss fights, the game was almost perfect at what it was trying to be. Surprisingly, the bosses that were really straightforward, the ones where you just climb up their arms and get on their head and stab them in the head, those ended up being the most frustrating because for some reason those are the ones that would wiggle you off the most and then you'd have to like spend the most time trying to get back up to it. It just kind of made them repetitive. But other than that, like I really loved almost all the boss fights, especially all the ones that were on like four-legged creatures. But yeah, the two that instantly come to mind was uh, the sad worm and the flying leviathan thing in the desert. Yeah, the flying leviathan personally for me is the most memorable boss battle I can think of. Just the sheer... You just off in the distance, you see like this giant flying lumbering thing, and you think to yourself, "How do I do this? Can yeah. I do this? This I can't do this." And then just the way that battle progresses along each stage, as you realize you're doing what you're doing, and you figure out what you have to do and what it means to do what you have to do, is just it stuck with me so much more than, like, almost anything else when it comes to gaming. I I still, like, I haven't played that game since it came out. It's a PlayStation 2 game. It's hella fucking old. And that memory is still completely vivid in my mind. Uh, it, I, yeah, the moment where you first jump off the horse and get on it, yeah. for me, that was easily the moment of the game for me because I remember doing that. Like, I'm riding up against it, thinking, can I do this? I can't actually do this, can I? Or can I? Like, there's, like, this doubt in my mind, like, if this is actually possible, it's going to blow my mind. And then I did it, and the moment, like, I latched onto that thing, and then it took off into the sky with me. I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking amazing. Yeah, just flying when you're actually up in this. I I didn't think that was going to happen, and then it happened. It's just like, holy shit. And credit to the, I mean, it's a PlayStation 2 game. I mean, you played the HD remaster on the PlayStation 3, but even for PlayStation 2 graphics, that looked so fucking good. Yeah, it was a surprisingly detailed world that they made. Like, there wasn't a lot to do in it, but just in terms of art design, visually, wandering that world was really amazing. And even after I beat it and I started New Game Plus, I actually just got on the horse, just kind of rode around, taking it into sights for a bit. And 
I kind of find that weird that they made such a vast and beautiful looking world that you don't actually do anything in other than just get to the monsters. But it was still really memorable. Like if I had more free time on my hands, I'd probably just sit down and just explore more of it. There is a little bit of a collectible mini game to go along with it. Yeah, I know. Big but fucking deal. I looked, but I looked into it, and then when I saw how much I would have to do, that's like a chore. I I beat the game without even knowing it was there until afterwards. So I beat the game with your base HP, base stamina. Yeah. So and so did I. I found like one fruit, and then I realized that there was a golden lizard at uh, every safe shrine wherever you go. But those are the only ones I ever found. So I didn't really go out of my way to find them. I contemplated it because I liked the game. I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll try to get a platinum trophy for this and play it more. And then I looked, 77 gold lizards and about as many of the fruit trees. And then you'd have to beat the time trial on hard mode and all this other stuff. I'm like, I no, I don't do collectathony stuff like that when I want more replay value. Yeah, I tried to do the, the time trial a little bit. And that's not what the game's about, man. It's, yeah, I know. I, I wanted to do that, but then when I saw that it puts your stamina and your health back to its lowest amount, I was like, no, I want to do this now that I'm badass and right. I'm way stronger. It, I, it's real, I mean, like, it's cool that they added that. It's cool that they added a hard mode, but it's not what the game yeah. is about. Like, if there was one game out there that I'd be like, I want to forget my all my experiences about it so I could play it again fresh for the first time, it would be Shadow of the Colossus, because there's nothing that's really ever come close to what it is, the scale of it at least. Yeah, it's a really unique game. And oh God. I, I, it's, a, it's such a cliche to fucking say this, but I think more than anything, it's a, it's an, it's an experience. It's a great experience where you explore a really cool world and do fucking amazing things to beat these giant ass monsters. And yeah. I would, ne- I would change nothing about the game. Yes, the fifteenth Colossus is kind of fucking bullshit. I still wouldn't change anything about that game. Playing through it, it was like an experience, and it's like. Once I got through the first three or four, I think, classes, that's where it, it kind of got me in the routine of, okay, fuck yeah, I just want to fight the next one now. Okay, next one now, now next one, and I just got hooked and want to keep going. I almost didn't like the ending. When the cutscene played out midway through where you saw the other people coming to look for you, I'm like, I swear to God, if at the end of the game one of those fuckers kills me, I'm going to be fucking pissed. And then that actually happened. As the ending continued to play out after the credits were rolling and it started to like establish more about the universe, and then, yeah, it made that huge drop about how it tied in with Eco. That's what sold it for me. I thought it was a really interesting ending. And controlling yourself when you're like all you're trying to do is struggle to basically get to your goal, the objective you did everything for, which was to revive the princess, and you're just getting sucked back and failing like that's because you actually yeah. control that part it's really fucking emotional in a way yeah i was really let down and i thought like well maybe i fucked something up and i got a bad end but then i remembered no this actually is the ending yep and yeah yeah it's a for a game with like so little story the ending did manage to draw a lot of emotions out of me it was mostly frustration for me because it's like i said like i kind of saw it coming and i was just like fuck this fuck this ending but then yeah it, how then it played out where you were reincarnated and then the girl took the boy and then was like kind of the beginning of eco. And I thought, well, that's actually a really interesting kind of symbolic in a way ending. And from a lot of different angles, you look at it. I can't really say a lot of games end in such a way that I can make such a sick, fucked up, imaginative thing out of it. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Great it's game. one of the most significant the endings. Yeah. You play anything else besides that and Battlefront? No, nothing worth talking about. Uh, I went back and play, started playing star Wars, the old Republic, the MMORPG. Yeah. Just try basically doing it for the storyline. Storyline's good. The game's otherwise kind of shitty. 
And I hear a lot of like bitching and comp- complaining about what Bioware Austin is doing to the game. Well, they have to make money off of it still. So what are they doing? Oh, God. Like well, you're you're so limited as a free to play character in the dumbest ways. Like you can't emote. So you could just play through the main story, and that's about it. You don't get yeah, like anything much. else around that. Okay, right. I wasn't gonna play it either way, but I figured something like that. Well, I'm playing as a Sith warrior, and I heard from what I've read, Sith warrior, Jedi Knight and Imperial Agent, which is like a spy, pretty much. Those are like the three best storylines. And the Sith Warrior storyline is pretty good. It does a pretty good job of making me feel like I'm a fucking Sith Warrior. And I feel awesome and badass. It gets a little repetitive at times. Uh, Certain planets, especially, they fucking drag. But the game also throws a shit ton of like free EXP boosts at you. I think I have like 10 in my inventory at the moment, and I've used two. So whenever I get to a shitty planet, that's pretty much when I just pop one of the EXP boosts and just plow through it, more or less. Um, game surprisingly looks pretty good. I mean, it doesn't look amazing, but it looks it looks good enough that it doesn't like offend me in any way. There's an amazing amount of graphical glitches in the game. Uh, I've loaded up cutscenes before where. My character's just standing there naked, and my companion isn't loading at all, but their weapon is. So I'm standing in my fucking underwear, and then my companion's next to me, and all it is is just a floating weapon. There's, like, menus that just, like, flicker, and it's aggravating, and it's just, like, broken, and it's, like... A... It sounds like Bioware. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird, because the game originally came out, like, right on the edge of, like... The turning point for Bioware, you know, when they went from, like, really fucking good to started to, like, fucking fall downhill. And you can see the shitty part of Bioware in, like, the... Oh, like, you can actually see it going downhill throughout the game? No, like, you can see the shitty part of Bioware, like, in the gameplay and stuff and how they handled a lot of shit and how they continue to handle a lot of shit. You can see, like, the good Bioware and, like, the storyline and some of the quests and some of the choices that you have to make for light side, dark side stuff. It's interesting in that regard, at least. But um, if you really want a good Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic storyline and you've played Knights of the Old Republic, yeah, Old Republic's pretty good. If you haven't played Knights of the Old Republic, play that first, even though it's kind of probably dated, mechanically speaking. Uh, just put it on the easy setting and plow through KOTOR first. It's all right. It's free. What else can I say about it? Other than that, a game that you and me have both played together, a game that you and me have both been playing a lot is Star Wars Battlefront which is one of the first games that we talked about. And when we talked about it, I think we were really fucking negative about the game. Very first episode of this podcast, we talked about the beta to Star Wars Battlefront. Yep. And no, we were not positive at all. We were very negative about it. Essentially, I, I, we just said that it's... Forgettable. It's yeah. mediocre beyond all reason. We got I'm, everything we wanted to out of playing it for like two hours. Why the fuck would you want to play anything else? So, what got us to finally play this game... Now, like... Because it came out, we played the beta, we're unimpressed, and then eventually I bought it for $30 at Xbox Live just to figure out, you know, what it was like as a full game. And I didn't really enjoy it that much, and I dropped it after like 10 hours. As of late November 2016, one year after the game came out, the entire game, which was originally $60 for the base game and then another $60 for the season pass, a total of $120, a... $15 version of the entire game came out at Best Buy on sale. You could have bought this game for $60 and then paid another $60 to have the season pass and be ready to get the DLC. Or you could have waited until last month, right before the last and final piece of DLC was even out, 
and bought the entire experience for 15 bucks. Yeah. And so essentially everyone who bought that game for full price on release got totally fucking boned. You basically paid $100 extra to play the game for a year, get a shit ton of practice, and then when this happened, beat the shit out of all the scrubs up, paid $15 for it. Yeah, and that is totally what you should have seen coming. But mm-hmm. as someone who looked at that price point and said $15 for that entire experience, I think that might be worth it. I'll get that and give it a shot. $15. When Ryan told me about it, I'm like, that sounds like a fun time, and I got it as well, and it is surprisingly fun. It's um, a lot better than i remember it being on the computer it's not as good as the old battlefronts but for a 15 dollar cod like star wars game if you know what you're expecting if you want just a really basic casual shooter like that and you just want to be immersed in the universe of star wars it's really good at achieving that and i think of one one of the positives we said about it when we reviewed the pop the beta was that it does a really good job of making you feel like you're in a Star Wars world. And it still does that, even through all the DLC. And I think that's kind of what gives it an edge over all the other current, like, Infinite Warfare and everything. You know, Battlefield 1 is Star Wars Battlefront. You could play some other shitty first-person shooter that nobody likes and only complains about online. Or you can play the one that's in the fucking Star Wars universe. Basically. Yeah, like, why, why yeah. wouldn't you play the one that's in the fucking Star Wars universe? Plus, I mean, it's kind of a plus, if you ask me. Mics are off, and there's no way to turn them on, to my knowledge, or at least public mics. So you don't have to listen to a bunch of assets. For me, it was always a huge turnoff to, like, you know, Infinite Warfare and everything. I ended up owning pretty much every AAA shooter that came out last year, whether I wanted to or not. And I just found it funny that the most time I actually put into any of them was probably Battlefront. I'll admit this guilty thing about myself. I've never really been that big on achievements, but for some reason... When I got a PS3, I got really hooked on trophies. And for a long while, I would spend as much time as I could with every game I got trying to get all the trophies. Just something about getting that 100% completion and getting the platinum at the end, it just hooked me in a really kind of sadistic way. And eventually, after I played several games, platinum like five, I think in total, the last one was Demon Souls. That's where I was like, okay, I'm done. This is starting to cause me to do things that are not actually fun and just tedious and repetitive and making me go fucking crazy. But, um, One thing that will still get me is online trophies on a PS4, and Star Wars Battlefront had a ton of them, and for some reason, I just got it in my head. Like, I want to try to get as many of these as I can, because eventually this game's community is going to die, and there's going to be no way to get them again. It'd be kind of cool to have them as, like, a token of, I was here, I did this. And then I pretty much spent the next two or three weeks just trying to get every online trophy in that game, and I did, except for the ones that required max level. Uh, I'm going to retire this game once I hit level 50, but as for that, the only online trophy I will not have gotten is the one that requires you to level all the way up to fucking level 100. With that said, like, that gave a lot of replayability to the game. I feel like if you actually care about those little, like, side challenges other than that, yeah, the game still wouldn't have that much lasting value even with the DLC. But, you know, $15, you pick it up. Even if you just play it for a weekend, I thought that was worth it. Yeah, and you want to stick with the game long enough to know how all the maps and objective types work. And once you start getting to the groove of things, that's when it really starts to become addictive, at least for me. Because at first I was like, this sucks. I don't know why I'm doing this. It's dumb. But I stuck with it. And after a while, I was I was fucking hooked. I was having a ton of fun. Some of the battle modes, I think, are way more fun than others. Walker Assault, which is like the iconic, unique style map for this game, is surprisingly really cool. But a lot of it being really cool depends on you getting a hero or vehicle power up. But when those moments happen, they're awesome. And plus, it's hella fucking cool to see, like, 
a shit ton of just Republican soldiers blast the shit out of a giant walker. It just makes for some really cool, memorable moments. I think yeah, easily the two best things going for this game is the visuals and the audio. Yeah. And that's why I say it's very good at kind of immersing you in Star Wars because it is probably the best looking Star Wars game ever made. No, it doesn't stay impressive for long. Eventually you get used to it. But again, initially $15 mm-hmm. weekends worth of play. Also, this is the first game like this you've ever actually played. A lot of, yeah. 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 I've played numerous games like this, XP treadmills, simple plain loadouts. And yeah, Battlefront is really simple, even compared to games like Call of Duty and Battlefield. I mean, you could say it's it almost feels like Battlefield Light. I think it has more in common with the reboot Medal of Honor's which was already Battlefield Light. I'll always love the traditional Battlefront games. Those are the good ones. Those are the ones I sunk tons of time into, but I feel like the newer Battlefront is kind of a decent distraction if you can get for a little bit of money. It's not a game that's going for the eSports crowd, which yeah. every other fucking shooter is trying to do. Right. Added and, a lot to my amusement. And to expand on a point you made about the visuals, uh, there's a ton of different... You can be on Hoth, Tatooine, Forest Moon of Endor, Cloud City, Death Star... Outer Rim planets, which are like the hut planets. And now with the newest DLC, you got, uh, what's it called? Scria or something? Scarif. On Scarif, yeah. right, from Rogue One. Varied planets, and they all look great, especially Scarif. I thought they did an amazing job with Scarif. But I mean, like, all the planets feel different, especially uh, Forest Moon of Endor. You really fucking feel like you're on the moon, man. Like, it, they did a great job with that planet, I feel like. But just all around, this, the visuals for this game fucking sell it. And like you said, the, the audio is on point. Star cards, yeah, they're dumb. Blasters and all the shit. It needs work. The game needs work. An alternate title for EA's Star Wars Battlefront would be Superficial the Game. Right. Because naturally, if it wasn't Star Wars, no one would give a shit. No one should give a shit. And I'm not even recommending this game. I'm just saying if you really like Star Wars and you were eyeballing this, but you held off because it's dice and the dlc i'm just saying if you could get a hold of this version that has all the content and you just want to see what it's like it's worth it i mean if you come expecting it to just be a very light shooter of this style it serves its purpose plus it's a star wars game first and foremost if you like star wars give it a try there's a ton of people who don't obviously aren't really good at first person shooters kind of like myself that play this game and uh, with enough practice, it actually really didn't take me that long to kind of get in the groove of the how the game handles on the PlayStation 4. It's because a lot of other shittier people than me are playing, and that's a good selling point for the game. Are you mediocre? Play this with other mediocre players. And if you're really good, come here and fucking just dominate and get bored. But while you're dominating, you're going to be having a ton of fun for a while. Like Ryan said, $15.00. It's a great experience for $15. I think the list price is actually like 30 or 40 It was just on sale for 15 but it'll be on sale again eventually. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. It's worth that price. It was not worth the price of the game. Came 120 bucks. that's ridiculous. Even $60 was pushing it. And I will say the DLC itself absolutely was not worth $60. No. Like, no. As a complete game, it's nice, but I was just thinking as I was playing all the DLC, if I was waiting on the edge of my seat for these, I would probably be disappointed with every single release. If the base game was $30 and then the season pass was another 30 for a total package price of $60 on release, I would say that was worth it. But the 60 plus 60, no, no, we're close. It could be. I still wouldn't think it was worth it. My biggest urge to buy this game was I wanted to see the best bin in the Death Star DLC, especially the Death Star DLC, because I saw they added some new space stuff and I was intrigued by that. And um, when I actually played it, I was really disappointed, but I didn't pay an arm and a leg for it. So it wasn't that big of a letdown. I was just glad that I bought it according to my expectations. 
That was the one thing disappointing thing for me too. Is I bought this for the space battles, and the space battles are not that good. So no, I don't know if I would hold out for them to really improve that in the next game. They said the next one will be bigger and better, but I honestly can't see them really adding that much more depth because it has too many people it needs to please. I really don't have much to say about this game. It's not something I put my stamp of approval on or tell anyone else to buy, but if you like Star Wars, you can have some fun with it, and you might want to consider this will be the last Star Wars game that will ever probably just only be the original trilogy ever again because moving forward, it's just going to be all the new stuff with a new movie coming out every year. Star Wars, as you know, it is going to be left in the dirt. Even if you liked the prequel series, that's pretty much going to be gone too pretty soon. So eat it up while you can. If you thought Marvel was beating, you know, all the Avengers movies into the ground, same's about to happen with Star Wars. So get those final memories while you can. One really good thing I think was great about that game was the heroes versus villains mode. The mode where you have three rebel heroes and three empire heroes, and then it randomly selects three players on both sides to pick one of those heroes, and then the other three just play support. I actually thought it was a genuinely good game mode. It was actually the only thing that felt like kind of distinctive for that game. And I did enjoy playing as the heroes. I thought they were pretty well made. Yeah, uh, the heroes are a lot of fun. Especially on the bigger maps when you're a hero, like some of my favorite memories are being like Luke Skywalker and just fucking cleaving through people. Like, completely imbalanced, but a shit ton of fun if you're a Luke Skywalker. I thought the ATSTs are really cool, too. Those are yeah, probably I got the best. Those a few times. Yeah, the best implementation of a vehicle in that game. I feel like almost everything else feels too slippery or too useless, but yeah. the ATSTs are really threatening and they're a lot of fun to play as. ATSTs are the entire reason why, in those game types that have them, I always take Ion Torpedo because they fuck shit up otherwise. ATAT, when you're in the ATAT for a limited time, that feels really good, too. You're only in it for like 60 seconds or whatever, but you feel really good when you're in it for those 60 seconds. So. I guess I just feel really weird that that was the game I ended the year with. I played it for like the last three or four weeks. I still am. I'm level 44, so I got six more to go, and then I'm going to be done with the game completely. A year after that game comes out, a year after we kind of shit on it and just kind of tipped our nose to it for that long, we both ended up buying it for a cheap price and enjoying it a lot. I, I think it just comes down to investment. If I sat there and thought I paid 120 bucks for this game, I think I wouldn't be having fun with it. But because it was basically enough money that I didn't have to consider about it, it just was like throwaway cash. I could just play the game for what it was, just lay down in my bed, play some fucking Star Wars Battlefront, be like, I'm having a good time. Anyway, uh, that's all I really have to say about the game. Unfortunately, I'm interested to see what the next Battlefront is like. I'm hoping they make a really smart change to how the DLC is implemented. If they do another season pass again, then that's going to put me off from it. And I'll probably wait another year until that game comes out. If it's even good to get it at a really cheap price again, yeah. but I'm hoping they do what Titanfall two did. And then they're just going to bring out the maps for free and find mm-hmm. out other ways to charge money. If they have to, I think charging money for the dumb costumes, is, would be a good way to go. If battlefront was a free to play game and you could at least play the core of the content for free and then everything else was extra, then that price model would have made a little bit of sense to me. But the way it was, it felt like a free to play shooter that you had to pay 60 bucks for yeah i agree with that i yes yeah, so i kind of got some vibes of the um God, that one game we played uh i'm brain farting you're not thinking of ghost in the shell are you thank you yeah it, it kinda, one? I got, yeah i got some vibes of ghost in the shell i mean like better production quality by far on star wars but i still felt like the way it handled and how simple it was I'm like this does feel like a free-to-play shooter and mm-hmm. i feel like either the the map pack should have been free or the the base game should have been free or something just to... Yeah, I really hope they pull a Titanfall 2 with this. 
part of me says it's Star Wars and it's going to sell it crazy no matter what, especially if a new movie's coming out and it's going to have new movie stuff in it. They're probably just going to hoard out like they did this first one, being realistic. I'm wondering if DICE is going to try to one-up the actual Battlefront 2, because first game, they got a lot of forgiveness being like, well, it's their first attempt. They're reintroducing this title. They don't have to measure up to Battlefront 2 yet because they still have another game in the making. If they don't have, like, capital ships versus capital ships in good space combat in the next one, that's probably going to be the biggest deal breaker for me. And if they got too much new movie stuff and not enough original trilogy stuff in it, then that would also kill it for me. Yeah, I was really hoping that the rumors would have been true and that the second Battlefront was going to be prequel shit. Because the one unique thing that the prequel shit would have had is you would have actually been able to have a ton of different Jedi heroes. You would have been able to have Jedi on Jedi battles, which would have been cool. Because in this game, there's only three Force users. And when it comes to the sequels, there's only two Force users. Well, three if you count old uh, Luke. It's just uh, not as appealing as necessarily having, what, like 15 Jedi possible heroes. I think it would be funny if old as fuck Han Solo's in the next one. He's like a wrinkly old man. He's still running around just gunning down people. (laughs) But he gets one shot by Kylo Ren. (laughs) Kylo Ren has like, if you press like, L1, R1, and Triangle all to say time and you're next to Hanzo, Kylo Ren just like executes him. And then you say, and then, Father. And then what's it called? That song by Evanescence. Wake me up. Wake me up starts blasting. <laughs> Wake me up. <laughs> have you seen the edit where they put that song in the background during that scene? No, I haven't. It's That's so fucking good. It makes it so much better. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so in conclusion, $15 for the complete package of Star Wars Battlefront. It's all right. Yep. 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 I had fun. Going to try to move on soon, hopefully. I think that kind of covers everything that we were playing. Should I throw out a couple short news stories? Yes. Uh, why don't we start off with Scalebound? Okay, yeah. Would you like to announce that one since you brought it to my attention? Yeah, uh, I don't even own an Xbox One. But one of the only, I think... I think the only announced 2017 title that was an Xbox One exclusive that was going to be developed by Platinum Games, headed by Hideki Kamiya, was canceled. It sounds like it's just because there was issues between Platinum Games and Microsoft, not necessarily anything to do with the game itself, Hmm. which is a huge fucking shame. It wasn't the best looking game ever, but... I'll be honest, I had high hopes for it. I wanted it to be good because I wanted justification to continue to own an Xbox, and that was the only game I was looking forward to just because of the developer and the director attached to it. But other than that, every trailer they showed, every gameplay sequence they showed, I just did not think it looked that good. And so I'm not too miffed about this being canceled, but it is kind of bewildering that everyone has one less reason to own an Xbox. I feel like if they sped up the gameplay a little bit and made the hits from the main character, I feel like they had a little bit more impact. The game would have looked way better. It looked like a Ninja Theory game, not just stylistically, but how slow it moved. It did right. not look like something Hideki Kami or Platinum would put out. It looks like, in my interpretation, it was like they came to this project to make a game like that, and then they're like, wait... This is the Xbox we're talking about. We've got to slow it down, make it really easy to follow, and not make it too gay for any of them. We'll make the main character a huge edgelord. Right. Have him wearing oversized headphones, blasting dubstep, because the kids can totally relate to that. Oh, I can. I can like, relate to that. Stylistically, it was really off-putting, but I liked the idea of 
it's a hack and slash and you got this dinosaur buddy and then there's like co-op elements to it. Like, yep. okay, there's something there to it, but then everything else that was like shown within it was just really off-putting. Also, um, I want to say, I don't think their A team was working on this. I believe their A team is working on near Automata. Oh, it was just Hideki Kamiya. Okay. Well, I just called their, it the A team because yeah. he was working on it. But I think yeah. he was the only A team or quote unquote, because I don't, I don't think Platinum Games has an actual like A team. Like they're not like broken up like two separate giant groups. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of. Back I would and say forth. whoever were putting out the really shitty Platinum Games in the last few years would be the B team, but I don't know who those would be. I think that's just Platinum Games. Uh, I just think it's just Platinum Games. Like for every Bayonetta they have, they have uh, was it the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game they put out really bad or something? Yeah, in the Legend of Korra. Yeah, and Star Fox Zero. Yeah, Transformers was okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm probably going to piss people off. Outside of Bayonetta and Wonderful 101, Platinum Games isn't that good. They have. I think they have way more shit. Oh, Revengeance. I, I haven't played that yet, but I heard it's really good. Recently, recently, okay. they haven't been good. Recently, yes. When they came out, Platinum Games started off really strong when they were uh, being published by Sega. And then it's recently, ever since 2014, they've kind of... They just established a fan base because they seem like they're sort of the counterculture to the direction video games are heading as like yeah. interactive movies and being very realistic and appealing to really stupid people. Platinum seemed like they were making the games that were just really over the top and flashy and fun and fuck realism. And I think a lot of people were drawn to that. I respect it. And it, it's what makes Platinum stand out to me. Whenever I see their name attached to anything, I'm instantly more interested in that project, even though I understand sometimes they make some duds. Uh, I'd say they're about 50, 50 for right now, but in recent years, they haven't been doing that good. Near Automata looks really cool though. It does. So, and PlayStation 4 exclusive. Is that game attached to the first Nier at all? Or is uh, it just a total, like, new direction with it? Because I'm i wondering think, if I should play... I want. I, th- I think it looks good. I want to get it. I just don't know if I need to know anything about that. Nier story. Automata is a spinoff of a spinoff. It originally started with the Drakengard series. And yeah, then it I, I know that. With Nier, the main title character being Nier. So it made sense for Nier to be called Nier because you play as Nier. Nier Automata, you don't play as Nier anymore. You play as a robot named Yo... Yorha, number two, model B, or 2B for short. That's her name. She looks cool. She has a really cool character design. But Nier was called Nier because you were Nier. But this just retains, like, the style of Nier. So that's why it's called Nier, because it plays the same. It's, I really don't give a fuck, but the game looks good. So yeah, the, I, I don't... I'm wondering, am I going to be confused if I pick it up and then just dive into the story? Oh I feel like it? I am, but that's what I plan like, on doing. I've been kind of interested in the Dragon Guard series, but it seemed like it was kind of a big investment based on what I've read about them. Yeah, I've but, heard Dragon Guard's really good, and I've heard that... Uh, well, Dragon Guard 1, at least. Yeah. And I heard Nier was actually really cool and had a really good plot. But uh, I, if I was to play any of them, I'd probably play Nier, but I think I might kick it off with the Automata. Because, hey, another reason to own a PlayStation I'm kind of thinking about doing that, yeah. In my day and age, I can't do the whole, I need to play every game in the series first to warm up to them. I actually see some value at playing the newest game in the series and then going back and seeing yeah. how it started. I can yeah. feel that. Uh, I want to talk about how this relates to Microsoft a little bit. Because Phil okay. Spencer tweeted out, people were tweeting him about the canceled project. And he tweeted back, difficult decision. We believe result is better for Xbox gamers. Still disappointing. I'm confident in 17 lineup. That's our focus. 
Maybe um, they were like, hey, uh, ReCore really sucked. We can't put out another shitty game. Almost, except for the fact that at the moment, there are no Xbox One exclusives for 2017. There's a shit ton of PlayStation 4. Uh, in February, we're getting two big ones with Neo, which is made by the same guy who did uh, the 3D uh, Ninja Gaiden games, and then Horizon Zero Dawn, and then in March with Nier Automata. So I feel like in February, March, like PlayStation 4 is getting three really solid brand new releases. March also has Kingdom Hearts re- HD remasters, PlayStation 4 exclusives there as well. And I think next year they're getting the sequel that you don't like. Girl Plays on Guitar. Wait, what? The Girl Plays oh, on Guitar. Oh, The uh, Last of Us Part Last two. of Us, yeah. Last yeah. of Us eventually. I think that's next year. Kind of suspected the first Last of Us wasn't that bad. It's just been jerked off so much that I'm not going to be able to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. You know? There's only one Xbox One exclusive. It's a shooter called Natsuki Chronicle. What I about... No... what? I mean, they have games announced, just no confirmed release date. They had uh, Crackdown 3, which I think was supposed to come out this last fall, and it didn't. just disappeared. And then they have CFP. Yeah, that's scheduled for that's scheduled for uh, the fourth quarter. I think the reason why I'm being confused is because all these are also being all released on Windows. But I forget that this well, yeah. Windows 10 store. That's just yeah. That's okay. So okay, there's a couple more things coming out. Sea of Thieves, which did look pretty cool. That's scheduled for Q1. Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom apparently is a Xbox One exclusive. What? Yeah. Wait. What? Are you sure about that? Oh no. It's a- that doesn't make what any sense. Is it already out on the PlayStation 4 or something? It might be. It Why got it? when they announced Yeah, it came out last year on the PlayStation. Last last 4. month they announced Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite and then they announced that 3 You're was coming right. on the PS4. So, yeah. I'm just confused. I'm I'm just easily confused. All right. Should I move on to another story now before you confuse yourself more? In conclusion, my point is I just feel like the PlayStation 4 is getting a ton of solid releases this year and with the canceling of Scalebound unless you want Halo Wars 2 real bad. No, I don't. I, I've Scalebound was just there. I was like, well, at least there's Scalebound. At least Scalebound yeah. is coming to this thing. At least I'll have something. Maybe if that game is good, I'll have reason to have an Xbox. But now I'm back to thinking it's time to just box this thing off. <laughs> Fuck it. The only reason I haven't is because I have the Rare Replay for that, which has a bunch of games on it. And I'm just thinking one of these days, I'm going to be like, you know what? I really want to play Perfect Dark or something. And that is the only reason I have my Xbox still out. But other than that, Jesus Christ, Microsoft, what the fuck are you doing? I know. Uh, I kind of get the feeling with Phil Spencer's tweet, though, he might be preluding to this year's E3. They might have a big, good lineup for this year's E3. Which oh, of course, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, Xbox fucking yeah, needs at this point. I agree. No. I mean, straight up, I bought the PlayStation 4 for Bloodborne. And with just that one game, I was satisfied with my purchase, even though I basically dropped $360 to buy a single fucking game. I was still happy because it was a really good game. And I'm being more and more happy as more as these cool PlayStation 4 exclusives come out that I bought a PlayStation 4. If I bought an Xbox One, like some people, I'd be really upset at the moment. Halo 6 better blow my fucking mind. I think Halo 6 actually comes with a Cortana that will give you a blowjob. Well, as long as it blows something. <laughs> Halo 6 is going to be on PC. I know it. I know it. I can yeah. feel it. If it's not, they're being fucking idiots. Hold on. Nate is texting me right now. Nate, you are texting me right now while I'm trying to record this. He's playing Resident Evil 7. Question mark. What's the boo for? The boo was something I said to you yesterday while you're playing Resident Evil. I was trying to make you jump, but either you were AFK or not paying attention. 
want to know something that is going to be annoying when the game comes out. At the moment, my Xbox 360 controller, when plugged in and playing, doesn't have a 1080 spin button. I got to press X on my keyboard and use the controller to do so. Hmm. Well, on the PS4, you have to hold back and hit like circle or triangle or something. You have to hold the direction in reverse, but maybe you tried that. I don't know. Maybe it's different on PC. I don't know. Anyway, uh, okay, next story. I guess talking of controllers and Steam, that would actually really be my next story. So the Steam beta just updated and added Xbox controller support, as in like you can actually remap buttons and stuff on the controller. And I think they also added DualShock 4 support as well, as well as anything that uses X input hmm. or anything of the like. And I have yet to test this. I'm going to pretty soon. But if I can just plug in my fucking PS4 controller as of now and it just works, and there's no like delay as using like DS4 fix or whatever, then holy shit, I'm going to be instantly a lot more happy about using Steam. It will make me want to play Dark Souls 3 again. Because <laughs> that's a big reason why I haven't gone back to Dark Souls 3 is the only game pad I can play Dark Souls games on is the PlayStation 1. It's what I learned on, and I don't want to have to relearn how to do it on the Xbox controller. Which is a big reason why I haven't gone to Dark Souls 3 DLC. But if this is like works like that, I just might get the Dark Souls 3 DLC. Who knows? it'll make me want to actually play fighting games on PC because the reason I have not done that is because of the input lag with controllers, especially when you use, like, DS4 or X-Pad or whatever the fuck. It just takes even longer, and it makes fighting games pretty much impossible to play because yeah. milliseconds matter. It's nice to see that Valve can do good things still. Occasionally. Yeah, I think we said the same thing last time they did that review update where you could, like, categorize recent reviews from old reviews and all that. Um Okay, moving on to the next story. Nintendo refiles trademark for Eternal Darkness ahead of the Switch event, which I think is tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. I can't remember. Nice. But um could mean one of two things. Either it's there's going to be a new Eternal Darkness game, which is what everyone hopes, or they're just going to be re-releasing Eternal Darkness on the virtual console. It's going to support GameCube games. And I think never the games played, as well. Never played Eternal Darkness, but I know about it. It's, it's kind of legendary. I'm going to assume they're just re-releasing it, but if it does yeah. well in the re-release and sparks attention and people praise it, it will probably... Maybe, hopefully, they'll make another one of these. Or it could be a twofer where they plan... I mean, if if they're going to do a sequel, they may as well do the re-release as well. Yeah. Like you said, GameCube will be like, available on the Either Switch. way, I think it's a safe bet to say Holy that the shit. Eternal... GameCube's going to be available on the Switch. That's how I'm going to be able to play the fucking Metroid I just game. fucking said that. When? Like, five seconds ago when I said that the GameCube will be on the virtual console for a, the Switch. Yeah, I know. That's that's. I didn't know that until you said that, or I knew that, but, but I forgot what it. Just, what just surprised you when you said... You told me that, and I realized that's how I'm going to be able to play the Metroid games. It just took you, like, 20 seconds to, like, register. Yes, shut oh, the fuck up. Okay. Because that was my Jeez. biggest concern about playing fucking Metroid Prime or whatever. So, the Super Mario Brothers movie is going to be receiving a Steelbook Blu-ray release. Like, special edition collector's Blu-ray release. Nice. You don't find that kind of odd? Hold on. I didn't... <coughs> I didn't fully hear you because I was coughing. What? Okay, the Super Mario Brothers movie, the really shitty one that everyone always makes fun of that I like oh, yeah, as yeah. a kid, that's getting a special edition Blu-ray release, Steel Book, with really <laughs> elaborate artwork. <laughs> okay. That's... And I'm going to buy the fuck out of this. I don't care. <laughs> Because the fact that they're doing this is just so ridiculous uh, to me that I'm going to support it. Because I remember I, liking that as a kid. It's a really unique movie. And it's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. 
even if it's quote unquote bad, if you're flipping through channels and then you find it on TV, you're going to end up watching it because it's just that kind of movie. It just gets your attention. Right. And yeah, I watched it a lot when I was a kid. I thought it was a really cool movie. And in hindsight, like, I, yeah, it's a pretty shitty movie, but uh, for some reason they're re-releasing it in like special collector's edition steelbook Blu-ray. So I'm going to buy it. I don't care. Maybe they'll make a sequel to this, but they'll have to get new actors because I think the main guy in it died. The guy who played Mario died. Oh, that's sad. Whose name I forget. Yeah, he did die. He, he notor- I remember he was like in some notorious interview where he talked about this movie was the worst mistake he ever made in his career. And he absolutely hated every single second he was a part of it because apparently the pair of directors was like a married couple and he absolutely fucking hated working for them. Oh, wow. Funny you bring this up too because uh, the Super Mario Brothers show, Super Show, is on Netflix. Yeah, I know. I watched the first episode of that. It is god-awful. I had, like, a couple VHS tapes where just, like, individual episodes, but I never really knew that it was a full, lengthy cartoon until later. And I think my mom actually gifted that to me for, like, a Christmas joke present. Or was it my birthday? I don't remember. I think I actually had the complete series lying around in some sort of box form, but I must have, like, buried it somewhere. <laughs> the cartoon show parts aren't that bad, but the live-action parts are just so yeah. fucking terrible. Oh, those are on, like, the Netflix thing? I thought those yeah. were just, like, the in-between segments. They are the in-between segments, but they're on the Netflix thing, and they are just awful. <laughs> but they're so clip-worthy. They are bad. They are super bad. They're so much fun to make YouTube poops out of. Also, uh, regarding the Super Mario, Mario Brothers movie, I think the worst thing it did is Luigi didn't have a mustache. That's true. Anyway, you got anything? We should do like an audio feature on that fucking movie someday. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, we should. There's two more stories, and I'll just throw this one out real quick because it's kind of similar to the last one. No Man's Sky is just now getting its limited collector's edition box set sent out to people who pre-ordered it. Wow. <laughs> yes. No Man's Sky, you're the shitty game that keeps on giving it's a 150 dollar legendary edition sort of thing that comes with a model of the starting ship you have it's kind of a neat looking replica 60 dollar u.s value according to what it says in the box also comes with a little notepad called the traveler's log and a pen and a bunch of stickers and an exclusive pin of uh, the traveler i think the game is probably the worst part of this entire box set <laughs> they just did the foundation update is what they called last month which i talked about in the last episode and that makes sense that they're releasing it alongside that but a part of me is thinking why the fuck didn't they delay the game until the box set was out too was there some sort of pressure like we have to mass produce this game right now otherwise we're gonna have to wait fucking forever to get a bunch of factories to do it for us in the future or something like well sony established you know they put a lot of money and basically what they figured out was the perfect time to release it where the level of hype and the level of people realizing how bullshit you know happy hello games was being and like that was the exact moment where they'd make the most money i want to know how many copies of this collector's edition they've pushed because part of me almost thinks it's kind of cute that if i had this little ship model i'd put it up and it'd be like a monument to why (laughs) hype kills they must have just like kicked this out the door saying fine fuck it just get out there (laughs) they like spit on every box okay well that leaves one more story this is a really interesting one I kind of read about it. Uh, I'll try to recount it in the best way I can. Elite Dangerous, one of the games I said last episode that was one of the games that I very much regret not playing yet, and it's been on my favorites tab on Steam for over a year, and it's a game that almost every fucking weekend I think to myself, should I start playing Elite Dangerous? No, no, no. If you don't know, Elite Dangerous is the successor to a game called Elite. It came out in 1984. It's old as fuck, wow. and... 
I know very little about this original version. I've kind of wanted to sit down, like emulate it in some way, just to kind of take it in before I sat down and played Elite Dangerous. There were some other sequels. I think there was uh, Frontier Elite Two, Frontier First Encounters. I know very little about this entire series. There was an alien species called the Thargoids. I'm going to skim the little description on the Elite Dangerous wiki. The Thargoids are an insectoid alien race who are said to originate outside the known space, perhaps existing in a parallel universe or spatial dimension. Thargoids are one of the two known sapient species in the galaxy, the other being human. Other artifacts of other races have been found. Of course, a lot of the galaxy remains unexplored, so there may be other races. They are very hostile and aggressive and have not been interested in diplomatic relations to date. It has been rumored that the Thargoids could be capable of building large artificial structures, blah, blah, blah. They're just sort of a very vague antagonistic species. They haven't been in Elite Dangerous yet, but there's been hints to their existence the developers have kind of hinted maybe in a future update or expansion pack they'll show up. And it seems like the last update, whenever that was, they did actually slip this alien species into the game without telling anyone. And what happened was just some random user was just flying around space. And then suddenly his ship got pulled out of hyperspace. And then all the power shut down to the ship. And he just started floating around adrift, completely powerless, motionless, just stuck in space, totally dead. And then out of nowhere, this giant monolithic alien ship came over his and scanned him and then flew away. And it was what I assume was a very traumatic and scary as fuck experience to just have come out of nowhere. But it was like this catalytic moment where then he went onto the subreddit for Elite Dangerous and told everyone, guys, there's aliens in this game. I just found them. And then it kind of blew open the floodgate where now everyone's going and trying to recreate this event. They essentially put this random alien encounter into the game without telling anyone and just let the players discover it for themselves. That Well, for a game about exploration, that's really fucking cool. And I don't think this is going to become a fad, but I almost want it to be, even if every game starts doing this. I feel like after Resident Evil 7, this thing of elusive mysteries that may or may not be there and you never know, I feel like that's kind of what this is in the frame of this game. you got to see the video of this. Like, someone went back and kind of retraced the steps and figured out how to actually make this appearance happen. It sounds like you got to go somewhere specific, get a very specific cargo, and then you got to go to a specific place. And then you got to go to several other specific places and kind of follow some clues around. But eventually, this alien ship will just intercept you while you're flying around, minding your business. And it's a really creepy fucking thing, the way it plays out. And the sounds and just the appearance of the ship. I'm trying to imagine being the first guy to discover this and have this happen to him. He must have been shitting bricks because I sure as fuck would have been. It's probably just them alluding to the future of this game and what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to add an antagonistic alien species into it, but the way they just kind of slip this in and just let the fan base find out about it through exploration and just having it totally randomly hit them is really cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Like I, I always feel like this happens in the kind of games that I never actually play, but whenever I hear this, I'm like, man, I kind of wish I was a part of this in some way. And that's exactly how I felt. I'm thinking, man, I wish I had been playing this game for months now and could be experiencing this with the community and trying to unravel the mystery, trying to learn, is there more out there? If this had happened to me with no warning, I'd probably have passed out in fear anyway. Especially when you have, like, a game like Elite Dangerous where you, like, you have something to lose. Because most of the time when you're playing a horror game, if you die or whatever, big whoop. But something like Elite Dangerous, death can be terrible. And when you see this, like, yeah. that's racing through your mind. Now, like, I'm about to die. I'm about to lose all my shit. What the fuck is going like, on? Yeah, just the, the look of the ship and how it just kind of hovers over yours and how big it is. Man, this game would look awesome. And I'm, I think this is a VR compatible game. It is. Yeah, I bet this game looks amazing in VR. 
Didn't you say you pretty much need a stick to play this, though? You can use a gamepad, and a lot of people do play it like that. I just didn't like it. It is definitely something worth getting a joystick to play if you're going to dive in and commit to. But in any case, uh... Okay, this is all cool and everything, but I really wish this guy, this narrator, would shut the fuck up. Maybe there's a no-commentary version of this. That is a cool-looking ship, though. Yeah. You don't need to describe what's happening in the video. I'm watching the video. Shut the (laughs) fuck up! And then scary music starts playing. Yeah, I got ears, brother. (laughs) Oh my god, I hate... I hate people. In case it wasn't obvious, this is not the guy who first encountered it. He's just someone that tried to track it down so he could document it. But yeah, uh, I like games with mysteries, and I like space games, and I think I like space games with mysteries, as long as it's not No Man's Sky. Uh, No Man's Sky has no mystery. It's just a shitty game. Yeah. Anyway, that looked cool, so... That was really all I wanted to bring up. I'll splice it up and try to make it more concise of the point. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Anyway, uh, I think is that it. We talked enough about porn and fucked up shit that I always worry someone I respect, which I don't know who that would be, would start listening to this podcast and go, wow, these guys are really sick fucks. This is not entertaining at all. What the fuck is wrong with them? This is our first podcast where we talked about porn how many times? Well, twice, but extensively, and they were both very dark. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, this is pretty much what we do every fucking week. Welcome to a new week. year, starting it off. Yep. Uh, appreciate the new album, Mark. Hi, Nate. Thank you for listening. You're the best. Hey, Ryan, where can they find this? You can find this podcast. This fine, wonderful Beacon of Humanity podcast on iTunes, YouTube, and explosionofhappiness.com for the complete archive. Thank you for listening. And until next week, goodbye. Why does nothing in my life work, Ryan? Because you don't take care of it. Oh, Nate just texted and said, okay, it does work. I did it effectively twice. He must have, like, telepathically heard me through the mic, even though the <laughs> podcast isn't even out yet. Plat- Platinum Studios. It was going to be made by Platinum Studios. Stu- it was going to be made by Platinum Studio <sighs> Studios. Jesus fucking Christ. Why the way- fuck can I not say the word? You need Studios. to smoke some weed. The Nintendo GameCube Virtual Console is going to launch with two games. Luigi's Mansion and Mario and Peach is missing a hentai game where you go around and play as Luigi and fuck everything in Mushroom Kingdom. That's is your brain on drugs? I'm always on drugs. Okay. What are you looking up? Oh, I'm looking at porn, sorry. No, oh, okay. No, no. Well, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna move this along then, so I don't spend like two hours editing your you watching it porn. So, <laughs> I mean, if you want to stream yourself watching porn, that could be a <laughs> new trend. Just facial reactions, it, like that could be the next fad. They started doing the thing for um, what is it called? Uh, where you eat food, like you watch two people eat, like yeah. two people stream eating. Yeah, yeah. I know. I see a lot of people just stream their fucking home family life, just hanging out in the living room, and that. I find kind of offensive. It's almost like narcissistic in a way. A lot of people use the app on the PlayStation 4 to just film their whole family just sitting on a couch messing around. Mm -hmm. 
And then like, I'd be like, okay, everyone will be back tomorrow so you can watch more of us, happy family that you don't have. Yeah, I think, like I, is that the appeal? Is like, I'm away at college and I yeah, want to Yeah, I'm going to pretend I have a family that loves me or something. My dad yeah. beat me growing up. So I mean, they say that people kind of go to streamers and like just kind of endlessly put videos of them playing video games in the background because it's sort of like to compensate for not having friends, to kind of have like this feeling of socialness in your life when you're just sitting around on a computer all day. So maybe that's just like the next step is just watching a family do their thing. That's almost like the Truman Show, hmm. except yeah, they're is. like willfully doing it, which is kind of even more fucked up. 